from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. On this episode of Newt's World, many school districts around the country kept school buildings closed during the 2020-21 school year and offered virtual or remote learning instead in an effort to curb the spread of COVID-19. Now, new studies are beginning to assess just what kind of an impact the pandemic shutdowns have had on our school-aged children. A recent July 2021 report from the consulting firm McKinsey & Company noted that, quote, U.S. students ended the pandemic school year four to five months behind. The report was based on assessments taken by more than 1.6 million elementary school students who would return to the classroom in the spring of 2021. The report also found that, quote, students who attended school where the average household income was less than $25,000 a year were seven months behind in math by the end of the term, compared with four months behind for schools where the average income was greater than $75,000. Now, everything I've just cited was done by giving these kids academic assessments. On Monday, June 14th, the Oregon House of Representatives voted on Senate Bill 744, which would suspend essential skills through the 2023-2024 school years. However, House Democrats indicated that the vote to stop essential skills goes beyond the current COVID-19 considerations and would be accompanied by an in-depth review of current diploma options and requirements by the Oregon Department of Education. In a nutshell, at a time where America's school children have fallen behind, Oregon has decided to suspend their testing requirements 
while they reevaluate what students' requirements should be to graduate from high school. Here to help us understand the thinking behind Oregon Senate Bill 744 is Oregon State House Minority Leader, Representative Christine Drazen. Thank you for joining me. Before we dive into the subject of education standards in Oregon, if you don't mind, let's spend a few minutes talking about your background and what got you involved in Oregon politics. Why did you end up running for office? It was an opportunity to be a different voice for Republicans in Oregon. We have been on a bit of a downward slide in the last decade for representation in our state chamber in particular. And my seat was open, and the people that were running, I felt, didn't represent the future of our party or our community. And I care so much about the future of our state. I love this place. And it was an opportunity to serve. And I was fortunate enough to make my way out of a four-way Republican primary and the Democrat general and all those things, and to have the opportunity to serve my community, and then a few months later was elected Republican caucus leader. Which town in Oregon are you from? I represent the rural Clackamas County. I'm outside of any cities. I'm between Canby and Oregon City, so for people that are familiar, I am south and east of Portland. And I have to ask you just for a minute before we get into education, why are they tolerating the level of violence in Portland that seems to be an almost nightly experience? I would say that people aren't tolerating it, that our reasonable people across our state, they're horrified by it. And what you see happening in our state, in particular in our urban center, is a petri dish of progressive liberal policies that in fact fail people of color, minority populations, and urban core in its entirety is being failed by the leadership of Portland right now. And Portlanders are desperate for change. Portlanders are calling on that leadership to begin to reinvest in how they approach public safety. Two nights ago, our local news was reporting gunfire in a community where there were 100 bullets just strewn across the road. People are not safe in their own homes at this point, and something has to be done. Our city deserves better. Our state deserves better. The people who live there deserve to be able to live in safety. And so it is absolutely failed progressive policies in our state right now. Wasn't the last mayor's race, wasn't the person elected even more open to radicalism than the mayor that they replaced? I know it's shocking, but they didn't take that option. They stayed the course and they reelected the incumbent mayor. And it was, I believe, the business community that kind of backed him in hopes that he would make a change that he has not since made in that role. It continues to decline. So we'll take the next round to see if they can find somebody who's more realistic. I think it's going to take Portlanders demanding that they, that they just elect leaders that care about their safety. They have been electing leaders for a long time that care about social justice. That's fine and well. They need to start to elect leaders that want to keep them safe. Well, we have the same kind of pattern in parallel in education. You know, when Governor Kate Brown signed the bill that, quote, will prohibit State Board of Education from requiring for high school diplomas that students show proficiency in any academic content area 
if the student successfully completed credit requirements. As a former teacher, I don't quite know what that means. Do you know what that means? It means it is, in fact, lowering expectations for our students in a way that parents and their kids should not welcome. So just to put a finer point on some of the details of that, the learning skills that they have now eliminated for Oregon students as they prepare to graduate is that they read and comprehend a variety of text, no longer required. Write clearly and accurately, no longer required. Apply mathematics in a variety of settings. Nope, not anymore. Listen actively, speak clearly and coherently, think critically and analytically, use technology to learn, live, and work, demonstrate civic engagement, demonstrate global literacy, and demonstrate personal management and teamwork skills. Those are the essential skills that our Democrat supermajority and our extreme governor have decided to opt out of for our graduating seniors. Well, what's that going to do to the students? If you have a student who can't do any of those things, how are they going to earn a living? Well, Democrats are saying that, trust us, students can still do all of those things. We're just no longer requiring it of them in a way that they have to apply it. But the reality that we have in Oregon is that when we went into COVID lockdown here, the schools all shifted to an attendance-based grading system. So their grades were locked in place at the closure of the schools. And as long as they logged on once a day, didn't matter if they were present, they could log on, they would be considered present. They held and maintained their grade. And then after that, in the new year that we were also still in complete lockdown, they went to a pass, no pass system, where to pass, you simply had to attend and the standards were dramatically reduced. And so it's one thing if you say that these essential skills are going to be articulated through existing assessments. And even though you don't have to turn in a work product to prove these things, we're still going to do traditional homework, assessments, testing, all those things. But that was also set aside. So we are in a free fall when it comes to accountability for whether or not our students are, in fact, to your point, prepared to go out into the world. It also means you have no way of knowing whether or not the teachers are actually doing any good. Oh, no, we don't. And teachers themselves have indicated that this last year was not an experience that they want to repeat. The good teachers out there are saying that was not good enough for my students. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Well, you know, even before the pandemic, there were a lot of Oregon students who were behind. I think only 31% of high schoolers met or exceeded the state assessment for math in the 2018-2019 year. That means that 69% did not. Yep. And when you drill down on particular subgroups that the Democrats in Oregon are trying to bolster by lowering their standards... If you take a look at that number that you just indicated, if you look at math, so 11th graders in math, our black students test at 12% of them are proficient at 11th grade in our assessments. If you look at our homeless students, that's 11%. Our students who are English language learners, they're proficient in math in the 11th grade, less than 5%. And you can look at those same numbers in science, in English, and they are not dramatically different we have been not only failing students generally, because the number you gave was the average of all students, our TAG students, as well as our students that are struggling. And it really is our TAG students, our talented and gifted programs in Oregon, that even drive that number north. So in math in particular, TAG students will be proficient, you know, 80 plus percent, 83 percent. And so that really hides the truth of what our education system in Oregon is providing for students, for the majority of students. They are struggling to achieve proficiency prior to COVID, let alone the learning losses that they have experienced uh, throughout COVID. And now the lowered expectations for them to move on to the world really, really not being ready for what comes next. If 88% of African-American students failed to meet the assessment for math, in a sense they're being crippled for life by a system that's not serving them. I could not agree more. But in our system, instead of reaching into that classroom and saying we need to provide more supports for those students, how do we raise up the level of education attainment for those students? Instead, 
our policymakers looked at those numbers and said, the test must be racist. It's got to be the test. When in fact, we're just not doing a good job with these students. And those students deserve to be respected enough to get the kind of support that they need to succeed, not be passed along, not be given the opportunity to take a pass with lower expectations, lower standards, and no accountability, but to actually achieve the education of their peers through whatever means it takes for us to get there. We spend an extraordinary amount of money on education in Oregon. Record amounts of money have gone into our education system in recent years, and there is just no excuse to leave so many students behind, especially students of color. Poor students in the state of Oregon in the same tests. And trust me, our rural communities have a lot of poor students in Oregon because our natural resource base has just been dropped out from under them in the last 15, 20 years. So our poor students in Oregon are also struggling. So 20% of students in Oregon in grade 11 are proficient if they are at or below the poverty level. And that's not good enough. I think it raises some very profound questions about the future of the country. Didn't the Oregon Department of Education actually do a study on eliminating math because it was a symbol of Western civilization and therefore was culturally biased? Shockingly, here in Oregon, two plus two is racist if it equals four. Callista and I did a movie about John Paul II, and we went to Poland to shoot part of it. And the people from Solidarity, the union that had stood up to the Soviets, gave us a poster from that period back in 1980, It's in my office. It's a big wall poster. And it says in Polish, for Poland to remain Poland, two plus two must equal four. And they were taking on the totalitarian system and the whole idea that Orwell wrote about in 1984, that the state gets to define for you whether two plus two equals five or two plus two equals three. And they were saying, no, there is a real nature. And in the real nature, two plus two always equals four. And so, in a sense, you're now watching liberal academics in Illinois and in a number of other states like Oregon who are literally questioning whether we should have math because math actually requires an answer. And that's, by definition, inappropriate. Yeah, you can't have things that are incontrovertible here. You really do need to have the very fluid engagement with education and your universe. There cannot be things that are a rock-solid foundation and dismantle an entire institution and an entire culture. And in Oregon, that is, in fact, what they're trying to do is this concept that the foundations of our state in particular are racist enough that nothing that is standing today should be allowed to stand and that we need to dismantle industries, sectors, education, business, and rebuild better in their terms. And when you rebuild better, you are, in fact, adding in an extra filter and an extra overlay that says there will be haves and have-nots, and some people will get the wind at their back, and they will be aided in their expansion of their nonprofit or you know whatever business they engage in, while other people that are deemed to be bad actors or not the right sorts, in fact, will be tagged with this idea that to build back better, we need to dismantle them entirely or tax them out of existence. And so it is a philosophically and ideologically driven state at this moment in time. Everyday Oregonians see right through it, and it's pretty exhausting. It is sometimes discouraging, but we have to, have to continue to stand up. We have to continue to say, listen, that doesn't make any sense. Let's be reasonable. You know, nationally, Rasmussen found in a poll that 81% of American adults would oppose a law in their state that says high school students don't need to be proficient 
in reading, writing, and math. Only 12% favored such a law. Do you have any notion of what the support's like in Oregon? You know, Oregonians overwhelmingly rose up in opposition to Senate Bill 744 when they learned about its passage and signature by the governor. They recognize it does not serve their students. It doesn't serve the future of our state. It actually doesn't just abandon kids. It abandons our own future. So is that likely to show up next year in the elections, or does it just people get tired and it gradually goes away. You know, there's an awful lot going on right now, isn't there? There's a lot to talk about with people. There's a lot that people care about right now. We're the only state in the nation with an outdoor mask mandate. And so there's a lot to talk to Oregonians about for accountability purposes and what do you want to see for the future of our state. And this has to play into it because education is critical to all families across the nation. But here in Oregon, especially with the struggles that we've had in our education system, Families are demanding more, and families recognize in the COVID environment what kind of an education their kids got last year because their kids were on Zoom in the kitchen table right next to them while they were working. And for the first time, they were seeing up close and personal that their kids actually aren't being served by this system right now. And so it is a top-of-mind issue for Oregonians. Whether or not it is a top-of-mind issue in the elections next cycle, we'll have to wait and see. From your perspective, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you change the school's to deal with the underperformance that seems to be, I mean, for example, in Baltimore City, there are at least five schools in which not a single student was able to pass the state exam, not one in five schools. And so you have have to sort of say, so how do we go in and get to every child having a really good education? Well, I think you have to be really honest with yourselves within your own education system and say, who are we leaving behind and who are we not serving? And then you kind of need to throw out the rule book a little bit. And that's really hard for us to do in a state like Oregon, where we have really very powerful unions. We have a very powerful union presence. Our union presence keeps our access to charter schools capped at 3%. I mean, they want to bargain for what classroom sizes are without ever having any accountability on the other side for what that actually leads to for outcomes for students. And so I think we have got to look at it and say, if we put the student first, if we absolutely put the student first, then we dedicate resources to more after-school programs, more enrichment in the summer. We potentially throw out this idea that we should allow students who are struggling to have learning loss for the three months of summer. And we go to year-round schools and we adopt that in areas that, in fact, require additional and ongoing engagement. Students that are struggling are students that probably need supports and assistance in a lot of categories. And our current system of having, you know, nine months of school and three months off uh, to be put in a childcare setting or to not have any setting at all, potentially for some students, is not getting it done. And so we really need to start to look at this wholesale difference. We need to allow for families to be able to choose where their kids go to school, get them out of some of these underperforming schools, reduce class sizes in some of the underperforming schools extend access to the day to before and after school supports, extend summer supports, and target opportunities to reach these kids and figure out what exactly is going on. And with our current system in Oregon, that has proven really tough. Our school system does not want enrichment programs from nonprofits, arts and culture centers, you name it. They don't want them to engage with the students during the school day, and they don't want them to support them in the summertime. And you're either a certified educator or you're nothing. And that is not getting the job done for our kids. How much of this problem is the union and how much of it's the education bureaucracy? 
Well, I think in Oregon, the fact that we don't even have a superintendent of public education, that used to be a statewide position that Oregonians voted on. That person was dedicated to overseeing our education system in Oregon. Uh, They passed a measure that actually did away with that position and collapsed it under the governor. Now the person who leads our education system is, in fact, an appointee. And it has been an absolute political position from day one. The worst thing you can do is put a governor in charge of our education system that doesn't have experience background in there. And, you know, she's focused on COVID response and she's letting our kids fall to the wayside every single day. The people who are really struggling and really taking the hits from this entire COVID response, a lot of kids... A lot of women entrepreneurs, a lot of small business owners that are people of color, the income disparities in Oregon have expanded extraordinarily because of Oregon's response to COVID-19. And our kids are the ones who are feeling it as well. And that's multi-generational. So I think part of it's structural. We cannot have our governor in charge of our schools. Our schools need to be allowed to be local. We have local school boards that are not allowed to be local school boards and direct their own futures. There's a ton of regulation and bureaucratic nonsense where they're having a bunch of stuff shoved down their throats for what they're going to spend their days providing to students, and they're not meeting their core mission. They're not actually educating kids in English, math, science, social sciences. They are all over the map for the stuff that they're trying to provide right now to our kids, and that's because legislators mandate it or the education bureaucracy mandates it. It is bogging them down and hurting our kids. So there's that. There's unions. And then there's some like structural issues where we're not providing enough ongoing education to keep them either level or growing throughout the year. From your standpoint, this is a very uphill fight. (laughs) It's worth it, though. What are we going to do? We can't look at these numbers and say that this is good enough for our kids. We can't do that. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. 
Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. I was an Army brat and I was born in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We moved to Fort Riley, Kansas, and then Orléans, France, and Stuttgart, Germany, and I finally ended up in Georgia when I was a junior in high school. There was literally no Georgia Republican Party. There were a couple of elected state legislators from the mountains who were really leftovers from the Civil War, and then the whole rest of the state was solidly Democrat, and I was like 16 years old, and I was volunteering for the Nixon Lodge campaign in Muskogee County, which is where Fort Benning is. And they were just thrilled to have anybody who was alive who would show up and, you know, lick envelopes and put on stamps and what have you. And you look today, we are a very Republican state, despite the last election, unlikely to stay very Republican. So I saw these kind of changes that come about. You were a fairly competitive state for a good while, and then you sort of fell out of being competitive. And I have a hunch that between the chaos of Portland and the insanity of things like this education bill, that you're likely to come back in a pretty big way next year and be very competitive. What's your sense? That's got to be job one. Oregonians are suffering under single-party control that's extreme. And they need some common sense. They need some reasonable leaders. and They deserve it. They're suffering right now. So they feel it. And hopefully we'll have the opportunity to make the compelling case and remind them of the opportunities that are in front of them. We need change. We need change in Oregon, that's for sure. Is the financial and organizational power of the unions the biggest impediment to having a real reform ticket statewide? I do think it's a major impediment, but I do think the other thing that we have to accept and we have to kind of build into this is our state's changing. Its population is changing, and we need to recognize that on the Republican side of the aisle, the approach that would have been the right Republican approach for my generation or my parents' generation, our workforce has changed. The people who live here are transplants, and they're from other places, and they come here because it's a beautiful state to live. And if you're coming up from California or coming down you know, from Seattle, you can afford a place here even though it's very expensive. You can still afford to, to buy a nice place here and, um, and you know, put down some new roots. That changes what people want to talk about and what they care about. And we need to be responsive to that. And I think we are. And I think that we will be competitive. But we do need to look at our playbook ourselves and say, we care about what they care about. We just need to talk about it in a way that resonates with them because we are authentically committed to the future of the state just like they are. We just need to kind of lay out our approach more clearly. So we'll take responsibility for that too. It's not just unions. We need strong, good candidates, full funding, and a message that resonates and leads to a brighter future for our state. Portland is so big as a part of the state. I mean, don't you have to be, if not competitive, at least relatively getting a fairly good number of votes in Portland if you're going to win statewide? So statewide races, everybody says you just have to lose better in some places. <laughs> Maybe Portland's one of those places where you just have to lose better there. You know, you talk to some of the Democrat legislators serving in Portland, and they will say that in their own districts, there are 
portions of that city that are so extreme, Democrats aren't progressive enough for them. And it's hard to imagine a more extreme group of legislators than we have in the Democrat Party serving the legislature here that I see every day. But they say that they are too Democrat and, you know, sort of too institutional for a lot of their own constituents. So Oregon definitely has some extremes in its urban core right now. It's funny, my favorite bumper sticker I saw the other day, I was picking up my daughter at school and one of the cars parked there, it had a bumper sticker that said, weird isn't working. (laughs) And I was like, that is it right now. My friends in Portland, weird is just not working. I've watched the Seattle, Washington City Council, and I think it actually has a majority that's weird. It's not just a minority. And you kind of wonder how these people got there. It's sort of amazing. But you're right. The times I visited Oregon, it is such a beautiful state. And the quality of life in general is so nice that I can see why people don't quite get around to focusing on how irritated they must be because there are too many other good things to do. There's a lot of good things to do. It's beautiful. I love my home state. And I understand why people come here. I understand why they love it. But we definitely need to restore an Oregon ethos that is a lot more balanced and not just the extreme edges of things. Well, we came out a number of years ago for Congressman Bob Smith, who Clista had worked for at the Agriculture Committee. And he arranged for us to go salmon fishing. She caught a bigger salmon than I did. So... <laughs> So her fondness for Oregon, between that and the spectacular wines that Oregon produces, Calista's a big fan. Oh, we'd love to have you guys back. Come back. Come visit. You don't have to go to Portland. It's spectacular. And I'm thrilled that you're willing to spend part of your life doing this. I think people need to understand that self-government requires some people to really invest an amazing amount of time and energy and to do things But on the other hand, sometimes the sense of reward you feel when you've actually gotten something done is so amazing and it sort of legitimizes how you've spent your life. So I'm really grateful to you and I hope you're going to continue to be very active in doing these things. And we'll have a link to the Oregon bill on our show page at newtsworld.com so our listeners can review it. I wish you well across the board on all the things you're doing to try to help lead Oregon back into the real world. Thank you. And it has been so fun to speak with you today. It's a difficult topic. I wish we were talking on something more positive and not something that's such a challenge for my state. But it has been just a real pleasure to talk with you today. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you to my guest, Oregon State House Minority Leader, Representative Christine Drazen. You can learn more about Oregon's decision to change their education standards on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.